Good evening, Bill. Good evening, Stanley. Hello, listeners, to 2023's first podcast of the BS Car Guys Car Show. We're happy to have you with us and back for another season. Yep. We back again, version 2023. Uh, season season uh, four? Four. Episode one, season four. Four. I mean... You know, most, most people don't get through the first season. We got through four. I think that's an accomplishment on its own. Well, we ain't we got should, through four yet. Yeah, we got two four, though, so I'm counting it as a win. That's right. Yep. That's right. I'm doing it. We made Three's it the magic four. number. I have to. I always make myself think about that. You know, I, I'm the guy that likes to make the joke every year on my wife's birthday that, you know, actually the number you're turning signifies that you've completed that year, right? Because you you don't have you're not one when you come out of the womb. You celebrate yep. the end of the first year, so it's yep. really the end of every year that is your birthday. She doesn't like me to put it that way, but that's what I like to think about. Um, but that being said, you know how they say in marriage, like your seventh year is the hardest. That's what yep. I always say. If you make it through seven, whatever. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know who came up with that, but that's what they say. I don't know who they, what they call it. It was a book, The Seven Year Itch. I had to read it one time as a project, as homework for ther- for a therapy. Oh, interesting. Marriage. Yeah, the seven-year well, itch. Well, um, so would you recommend that? I mean, is this a book recommend? Are you giving a book plug? You're good. Okay, I said a book plug. So, all right, all right. Um, so that being said, I remember very distinctly laying in bed, getting ready to go to sleep on our anniversary with my wife, uh, on our seven-year anniversary. And I said, and this was really stupid, but I wasn't thinking. I said, I said, well, this is it. We start year seven. We got to take it easy and don't try to kill each other this year. Because they say if you can make it through seven, you know, you're good. And she goes, Bill, this is our seven-year anniversary. We just finished seven today. And I was like, oh, we're good then. I didn't even realize it. Uh, for for us it was more like a three-year itch and then it was like a four-year itch and then a five-year itch (laughs) (laughs) i think we skipped seven went straight to eight but that man you know what as young as uh we were when we when we got married and started having kids it it was all it was a struggle, man. Trying to be a, a young parent, a young uh, a young husband and wife from a wife, and uh, be a marine at the same time, and then, then you know For because of the way we be two marines on two yep. different bases with two yep. different schedules. And, yes, and then you know because of the way we grew up, we had some family pulls that we had to deal with, and it was just. Uh, it was, can you can you hear this? I don't know if you could hear it. I don't. I, I didn't we hear occasionally anything. get we occasionally, and it's pretty rare these days. But we occasionally get some Fort Bragg air traffic. Sometimes we get helicopters. Sometimes we get C one thirties. And because we're up against the Uari National Forest, 
we're on some sort of like a direct flight path that they take from a training area back to the airfield or something. So even though uh-huh. we're, I don't know, an hour and 40 minute drive from Fort Bragg, we get occasional planes and they always come over like super low. And, you know, I got used to it living on base, but it's so rare now, to, you know, only happens a couple of times a year. And so a helicopter just came over pretty low, but sometimes the C-130s are low enough, they shake stuff off the shelves. I don't know if they wow. just have like special permission over the forest to do it, or they know I live here, or I don't know what the situation is, but yeah, they, you know, they, they spied come over on pretty you. low. Yeah. The man coming to get you. Today we had uh we had we had this thing uh, down here where they took I think it was eleven or twelve C seventeens all in the air at the same time around the base and they flew over the bridge. They probably took a picture that wow. it's gonna they're gonna use for something and all this stuff. But yeah, C seventeens flying over. They fly they 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 go where they want to go. I mean Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It feels like it. And then uh, one, uh, a Marine that I used uh, that used to work for me and uh, know and love, Mr. Philip Haugen, he is now a, uh, a Air National Guard pilot, and he flies C-17s. I like and, that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. But anyway, we, we're supposed to be talking about cars, but uh, so I guess we should talk about car stuff. And um, well, before we let, get into... Let ahead. me start with a recommendation. Okay. So before the podcast started, you mentioned that you um, had considered briefly purchasing a PlayStation, mostly yep. for its Blu-ray or functionality, which yep. seems like a roundabout way to get there. But it's the best. Was, Blu- it's the, it's the best. It is the best Blu-ray player on the market. I mean, I'm not going to argue that. But I will but say a PlayStation. this: <laughs> if you purchase a PlayStation, I'm gonna uh-huh. rec- I'm gonna recommend a game that is a driving game, but it is not the game that you think I would recommend. So everybody knows Gran Turismo on PlayStation, yep. and, and everybody everybody knows like F1 and and MotoGP and. The racing games. Those are all good car vehicle games. I'm not going to deny that. Like, I'm a old school Gran Turismo alumni, right? But yeah, um, I remember you playing that as way too much and me sucking at it. But <laughs> and, and, and now I really I play the Xbox more than I play the PlayStation and I don't have the newest of either. Um, but um, I highly recommend a driving game called SnowRunner. If you're not familiar with this game, this is a game where you drive trucks and other four-wheel drive and heavy equipment, and you literally just, like, haul materials to fix bridges and stuff. But the dynamics of the game, the, the, the realism of the game, it is by far, and I, I'm not a gamer, quote-unquote, but I have played mm-hmm. video games since I got my first Nintendo back in 1988 and have always liked video games to a certain yeah. extent. Um, easily the hardest video game I have ever played. And I'm not, I'm not saying it from a skill level. 
it is just infuriatingly realistic that <laughs> if you hit a rock too hard, you can get a flat tire. If you run out of gas, you flip over and you got to go get another vehicle to winch you back over. Like it is, you damage your engine, your suspension, you hit stuff like some trees you can drive through. Some trees will not move at all. Like there's ice, there's snow, there's mud. Dude, I'm telling you this game. And if you remember back in the day in like the late eighties, early nineties, even the mid nineties, when we had games on PC, like um, Wolfenstein 3D and Duke Nukem and, you know, Doom and all those games, you could actually go online and make your own, build your own levels, right? You could edit your own Mm -hmm. game. Well, SnowRunner is also an open source format game. And so there's, you have the ability that if you're a graphic designer and you want to get into it, you can design your own vehicles. You can make your own modifications to vehicles that exist in the game. You can design your own levels. Like the the customization levels of the game is just unlike anything I've ever seen. And I've been playing it now off and on for probably three months, and I'm not even 50% into the game. Like, it is unbelievably expansive and difficult so if you get a playstation i highly recommend you get it it's a game that for you know an initial investment of 50 bucks or whatever you'll have entertainment for the next year of your life if you don't get so frustrated you throw your controller out the window and quit all right so what it sounds like to me is what that sounded like to me was an advertisement for a new tv because I am going to break the TV. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, look, I, I I have pretty good self-control nowadays, uh-huh, I believe. Uh-huh. But what you just described uh-huh. is me acting like a four-year-old in my living room and my wife going to the other room and me at some point just throwing something at the TV and instantly regretting it. As soon as like it leaves my hand and I'm doing the oh no thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I may try it though. I may try it because I, 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 I'm about to be an empty nester and uh, I, I need to find things to do. And um, yeah. You wait, one day you're going to get there and he's like, man, it is I don't remember this being this weird and quiet. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. I got a ways to go before that's going to be a conversation I have. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I will take up, I, I will consider your recommendation. We haven't, decided, we got a, uh, we got a Switch so we can play Mario Kart against each other. You uh, can get SnowRunner on Switch. It's on every format because it's open source. It's on Nintendo Switch. It's on PS, PlayStation. It's on Xbox. It's on PC. You can get it on everything. Well, cool. I'll, I'll we'll look into it. So me and Giselle are gonna play uh, Mario Kart and try not to hate each other afterwards. That's that's our goal. We at bought least, a switch for hey, us. If she'll play with you, that's that's a step up. Kendra will not play video games with me. Well, I take that back. We we have a Wii, and we used to play that. We haven't played it in a long time, but. 
She got her own fancy controller that got the RBG lights and everything. Yeah. Whoa. Yep. I, I, look, I got the enticer. We we were sitting there having a conversations like, we need to get a video game or something to play. And I was like, well, what has the family games that we can both play against each other and with each other? Yeah. It was, it was a Switch. Yeah. But, uh, all right, car stuff, other car stuff. Um, other car stuff. Um, uh, well, I guess we, let's, let's open... I think we should start on a happier side because we're going to talk about some not so happy stuff in the middle. Yes. And then kind of yes. end on a happy stuff. Uh, Let's do so that. The, the first happy thing is uh, 2023 trivia. So, as you know, I have a, um, a tendency of building spreadsheets. And we're, I, we're five days in. How much trivia could you possibly have? Oh, oh, I mean, that's, don't. Don't you'll see. You know what? You'll see. Um, so I'm building my 2023 spreadsheet of cars and stuff that's on the market and all the things that they do and refining some things. So I have some trivia questions. They don't oh they so this this is uh the answers come from everything that is on the market now okay. through last year. Okay. All right. And we're just just gonna we're gonna start us off in a simple way. How many different diesels vehicles could you buy in the United States of America last year? You don't have to go crazy. It's like call the F all the F series. All of them is one. The Chevy is one. And we're just, we're not talking about twenty five hundreds. So fifteen hundred trucks and below. Oh. How many different ones? Different model lines. Six. You said six. The correct answer, if my things are right, is 10. Really? I would like to know those. Um, there are Jeep had two, Ram had one. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> we, I, okay, you said Jeep had two, but it's the same drivetrain. It's just I, in it two was, different models. Correct. I counted that as one in my head. All right. I started off with the diesel thing because I, you know, wanted to make it, well, I, you know, that's your wheelhouse. It so is. all of these... All of these questions will kind of relate to types of vehicles on the road. Okay. All right. All right. I I will give you I'll give you a ten. I'll give you a buffer on this one. Ooh, okay. How many different battery electric vehicles were on the market last year? And between yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, like. Full electric plug-in or full, hybrid full, plug-in full, or full electric. Full electric. Eighteen. See, Fifty-three. In the U.S. In the United States of America. Man, I was way off. Samson. Yes. Which one of them companies do you think? Which one of the companies do you think had the most? 
I mean, it's got to be the Hyundai Automotive Group. Nope. Really? Who had the most? It is the Volkswagen. Or EVs. It is the Volkswagen Automotive Group. Full plug-in electric vehicles, they only have the ID4 in the U.S. No, no, they don't just have the ID4. They have three different Volkswagens, four different Audis. <laughs> what are and the so, three Volkswagens in the U.S. that are plug-in electric? Well, this might be counting the uh, the the upcoming ID7, so I'll give you a buffer. That's why I was talking about the buffer. Uh, let's go to the drop. Let me drop a This is model. vehicles that were on sale in 2022 or going to be on sale in 2023. It, I just put I the ID7. The rule. Yeah, I just put the ID7 in this, so that, that may have thrown things off a little bit. So the electrics were the uh, A6 e-tron, uh, e-tron GT. E-tron Quattro, E-tron S, E-tron S Sportback. E-tron Sportback Quattro. I, should, I probably should put that together, back back together. Uh, actually, it's kind of breaking down a little bit, a little bit. R, the RS, the Q4 Quattro, the Q4 E-tron. So you're doing trims. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, if it was... I, on this right here, uh, the Q4s, that's all one. The e, the uh, and I, yeah, the, I split up the, the e-tron, e-tron GT. Like, really, just that's three the vehicles. There's a four-door car, and nope. there's an SUV. Nope. There's a four-door car. There's an SUV. There is a sportback sedan. There is it's a, the same thing a, as the four-door sedan. It's the same car. I'm not counting no. as a different car. There's nothing mechanically different about that car. The RS I, and in the, my mind, I wasn't counting like trim packages. <laughs> oh no 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 no! The RS is a different car than the than the other one. What? The RS and the and the Porsche Dagon Taycan is the same car. I'm looking. Go ahead. One, two, three, Look. four, five. Audi's website shows they have five electric automobiles. Five. Yep. And I, I mean, said you, we're talking. We're talking. You just had seven. I just said four. Well, you just said way more than seven cars. I was trying to count them all uh, really quickly. Where's the Where's the other one? There it go. And the Volkswagens were the the ID four because it only counts at one time. When I that's what it was. All right, so. The way I have this, I drop model in here instead of model line oh, in the right spot. Okay. So it showed me all the different models and their trims versus just the model line. So let me let me correct that for you, sir. I feel like that 50, that's a big number. I mean, I'm obviously I, I'm realizing 18 was way too low because I was thinking like platforms, but I definitely feel like like Volkswagen right. website only shows one electric model, the ID4. All right, cool. That's what, and that's why I was just telling you. I just, I just put the ID7 in, and then I just put the ID Buzz in because I I got some stats on those. Yeah, but so neither Volkswagen one of those are on sale. Correct. That's why I was giving you a buffer. The ID4 
I'm too competitive for buffers. I need to know if I won or if I lost. <laughs> the electric stuff is kind of weird. It sounds like it's very weird. The A6, they have an electric A6. They have an electric, just an e-tron. They have an electric Diagon Q4. And then they have the electric RS where, yeah. The e-tron GT and the e-tron and the e-tron GT. Yeah. So it's seven total. Because I have this thing counting by model line, not by a specific model. Okay. All right, cool. So I messed myself up a little bit. I wasn't ready. Okay. And I'll give you one last one. Okay. Um, how many different gas vehicles model lines were sold in America last year? This is way easier. Just gas, no no mild hybrids, no hybrids, no plug-ins, just gas. About 120. 244. 50%. That sounds about right. I usually forget about half of what's going yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, my whole point, I guess, in that is, you know, one of the things we talk about with those are the things we talk about a lot. We talk about diesels a lot because you like diesels and we talk about electrics a lot because you don't like electrics. And we both drive. We both have still have gas vehicles and you're building a gas vehicle right now. So that was that. It was weird. It's pretty weird. Is there a total of there were a total of three hundred and eighteen different vehicle lines sold in America last year? Three hundred and eighteen. Wow. And the uh, the electric vehicle with the most range is this. This, this isn't uh, this isn't a trivia question. I just came up to ask you that. What do you think? With the most range, yep. I think it's the Lucid, right? It is the Lucid. What's the what's the electric vehicle with the smallest? Um, they don't make the Fiat 500e anymore, do they? It's not it anywhere. Then I'm gonna say it's either the Bolt EV or the Leaf. No, no, Mini Cooper. Mini Cooper's got an E. Nope. It's got to be the smallest. Nope. Really? And the bolt, the bolt is pretty. The bolt is pretty, uh, pretty good. It's it's in the two forties, two fifties. Where is it at? Oh my really? Best. Okay. Yeah. Where's Chevy? Chevrolet General Motors. There we go. The bolt EV. The bolt EV is at two fifty nine. Hmm. Interesting. But the uh, one with the least amount of range is Mazda MX thirty. At a hundred mile range. Wait, the, my, you were close. The, the MX thirty is yep. all electric. Yep. No, how many miles? One hundred. I didn't know Mazda had a full EV. Yep. No, don't worry, you'll never see one because it's horrible. <laughs> no, it's a crossover. It's not a full EV. It's a crossover. It's it's not a um. Is it a full yep. plug-in electric only? Yep. Oh, 
crossover. I forgot crossover is not a word I say. I was yeah, thinking I was thinking I of the word it. hybrid. I combined hybrid with crossover. But I, you, I meant you said it. I meant hybrid, like it crosses over ice and electric. See, that's a better use of the word crossover. That's what I meant in my head is that it combined both technologies. And I realize now that we have a word for it. It's called hybrid. Um, the mini, but you were pretty close though, because the mini has one fourteen. I just didn't realize that Mazda was even selling this thing. I didn't even they, know. It's ugly. Don't worry, they aren't. It's ugly. <laughs> they they are not. <laughs> yeah, the, their website says EPA estimated range a hundred miles. Yep. That's the Mazda website. I don't even know why they're they're proud enough to, to proud of that. They shouldn't even tell people that. They yeah, shouldn't even crazy. tell people that. Yeah. So that's our that's our look into EVs. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll first look at the trivia for 2023. Of course, I'm gonna we're gonna find more trivia things to talk about. Uh, but so I think it's trying to. You mentioned. I was gonna say you you mentioned my ice engine build. I thought I'd give an update. You want an update? Oh yeah. Go ahead. Ice internal combustion. Go ahead. So over our seasonal break. Um, we pulled the drivetrain out of the donor truck, uh, yep. pulled the in engine, trans. I seen it. Yep. The ECU, the throttle control, it is a TAC, the wire harness for the gas pedal and the gas pedal. And, um, the transmission is currently in a transmission shop getting my output shaft switched over to a two-wheel drive output shaft because I need the longer length. I'm also, mm -hmm. since the case is open, I'm new seals and just check everything over and replace anything that's yeah. worn. Um, also going to put in a Corvette slash Camaro um, torque converter to give me a little higher stall speed so it'll get off the line a little better. Um, and um, plus I'm running a kind of a low, low end torque cam in the engine anyway. Um, so kind of next steps are once we get the transmission back um i've got to change the oil pan on the engine to a camaro style oil pan that gives me more clearance for the front differential and land cruiser i've got a um, trailblazer ss throttle body and intake um, to put on the engine because it also gives a little better low-end torque performance and then, um, obviously, I need to start pulling stuff out of the land cruiser. I just haven't done it yet. It's been cold and rainy, and I've been busy. Yep. So that's that's next on the agenda. Oh, and the donor truck is being sold tomorrow, what's left of it. So. Yep. Somebody asked me when I showed me your video, I was like, why do you mess up the perfectly good truck? I was like, because Bill, and he's been trying to do this for forever, and this is what car people do. That's right. That's what we do. We justify things a different way. Plus, yep. I already have a perfectly good truck, so can't have two Is perfectly it down? good trucks. Well, speak of mod speaking of modifying things and yes, switching things up. Um, the sad part of the podcast, we got to talk yes. about this, and I'm gonna let you do most of the talking. Talking because I know how big of a fan of this person you are. Uh, we need to talk about Mr. Kenneth Paul Block, who passed away here recently yep. at the prime age of 55. He was a Scorpio, which makes him even better. 
uh, <laughs> I know what that is, but I have no idea what that means. But yeah, half most of my family are Scorpios. Gotcha. This means it means our parents uh, created us around the uh, the festivities of Valentine's Day. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, known as the the thing I didn't really know about him. Obviously, I know about him from the uh, from his Hoonigan stuff and his rally and stuff. The thing I didn't realize until his passing, and I, it sucks that I didn't realize this, is that he's co-founder of DC Shoes as well. Uh, really, you didn't know I, that? I didn't know that because, man, I don't follow fashion and things. Sure. <laughs> um. But yeah, man, uh, uh, it sucks that he he's gone. I mean, this dude changed a lot when it came to uh, when it comes to modifying cars and just showing what you can do in a car, doing with a car. That's um, right. Everything from X Games to American Rallycross, European Rallycross, the Jim Cotta stuff. Just just doing some of the wildest, craziest stuff that actually actually worked. And with that said, I'm going to be quiet because I know how big of a fan of him that you were, and I'm going to let you speak. Well, okay, so, I mean, I think I think the the automotive community as a whole, right, we, we all are at least aware of who Ken Blocky is and, and, it, and have mm-hmm. it mentally can connect him to some thing he has done to contribute to the growth of like automotive enthusiast community. Um, mm-hmm. So there's really not a lot of just straight fact information that I can give about Ken Block that, you know, isn't out there for you to find on the internet. But what I will say is I was kind of thinking through what that really means to say that you are um, this this new term is like influencer, right? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. but but what he has done for the automotive culture in in his passing, so many of the other content creators that I watch and like and follow and subscribe to, um, hearing them talk about what Ken did to inspire them to get into. Mm-hmm being more outgoing and pursue their dreams in the automotive world. It, mm-hmm. It's it's almost immeasurable to think of how much influence one person can have on on a subculture because I think racing and, and you know automotive tomfoolery extends beyond one country or race or whatever. So I, I mean it's really a global impact when you think about how much I mean, rally is a huge sport all over the world. But in the yeah. U.S., rally had a very isolated following. And yep. being a person who, I guess, probably around, um, gosh, I want to say maybe around 98, 99, like early in the Marine Corps when I had more access to early internet and cable TV and, you know, you're in a place where things can be shared easier before the internet was what it is today. Um, I started getting exposed to rallying and really got into rallying. And so now that, that being said, I wasn't following North American rally back then, but eventually I did. 
And that's really where I first saw who Ken Block was. He was this guy who I knew he was a skateboarding athlete and, you know, had come from that world. I didn't realize at the time that he was also like uh, BMX, mountain bike, motocross, snowboarding, you know, all these other things. He was, I mean, he really was an athlete who did a lot of things. And, um, And so I just saw him in rally. Particularly, I, I remember really, I think the first awareness of him I had was the X Games where he was up against um, Colin McRae and Colin McRae rolled his car racing against Ken Block and the car rolled, a barrel rolled, landed on the wheels and Colin McRae finished the race. Like, yeah, yeah. that, you know, because I was a huge Colin McRae fan and, and, and probably always will be. He was... He's probably my my rally racing icon um, that I looked up to the most. So that was really my first acknowledgement of who he was. And then fast forward a couple of years, because I want to say that was like, I don't know, 05, 06, 07. I don't know what year it was, but it was 07. So that's around about the same time that um, this thing called YouTube came out. And the first... I don't know which came first on on YouTube. You, you'd have to probably be smarter than me to know. But it was either Jeremy Clarkson driving the Ariel Adam on old school top gear or, <laughs> or Ken Block's original OG Jim Connor practice video. One of those yep. two came first. And prior to that, it was like we would download um, – video clips off of like Napster and stuff like that because you or whatever sharing sites there were before YouTube and I would download like illegal street racing videos and you know wherever you could find this content there was there was a need for it there just wasn't a lot of people creating and putting it out there so one of those two videos came out first around 0708 like right at the beginning of YouTube and while I wasn't creating car content, I was like, ooh, I got to get me a YouTube channel. Maybe one day I could do that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. I definitely had that same connection to it of like, this is accessible. People can do this stuff. I don't know who this Ken Block guy really is, but he's doing some cool stuff. And um, and so I have literally been subscribed to and following Hoonigan and Travis Pastrana and Ken Block and, you know, that group of people and their racing content, at least on YouTube, since 2008. I I immediately signed up and got a YouTube channel and definitely started uploading a bunch of stuff with copyrighted music on it. And eventually (laughs) that page got shut down for too many infractions. Like, 100% was like, I'm I'm all, like, this is awesome. Um, So... Had been a fan for a long time and never really fully understood just how big of a draw that is on people and, and how many people are watching it. So just out of curiosity, I'll ask you a trivia question. You may know the answer. Okay. Uh, just by the way, if you Google it, the answer is not correct. I actually went to the YouTube creator page and actually looked up the data on it. As of huh. the beginning of this recording, how many views total 
does the entire Gymkhana series have? And and I'll 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 preface that by saying no behind the scenes footage show episodes. Um, I think in the, my number I did include a a teaser of one of the Gymkhanas, but no behind the scenes stuff. Um, and I had to go and add up all these videos. Oh so, man, uh, what do you what do you think total number I'm of sure. views? There are 13, no, 16, 17 videos on there that fall under the criteria of Jim Connor. Because there's also like, I didn't count the Top Gear Jim Connor that he did just for an episode of Top Gear, but I did count like Climb Connor and Climb Connor 2 because those basically are Jim Connor videos. And so, anyway, 20 million. Not even close. What? Not I was thinking- even. Not even close. No, the teaser trailer's got more views than that. Wait, I, 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 to be honest, I have no idea what a lot of views really is, what that number really is. So I will go, I'll say 200 million views. Not even close. I get a third? Uh, yeah, 640.3 million views at the time of this recording. Wow. Six. Wow. That's a big number. That's a really big number. <laughs> the, wow. The very, the very first Jim Connor practice video, 16 million views. Mm. The second one, 52 million. The third one, 69 million. Fourth one, 34 million. The fifth one, 114 million views. Number six, 51 million. Number seven, the birth of the unicorn, 58 million. Number nine, 56 million. The Fiesta got the most views? Well, yeah, but that's because it's the San Francisco. I think it's the best one. I, I know why it's got the most views. I think it's the the best the best location. So even if the tricks aren't some of the craziest things that have been done in Jim Kinda history, it's the location that yeah. It's, it's I'm the, looking at it right now because yeah. no, like, I'm not going to act like I just know all this stuff off the top of my head because the fourth and the fifth one were both in the Fiesta and it was in Universal Studios lot and in San Francisco. Yes. Huh. Okay. Yes. So, and so, but but anyway, so in looking at these Jim Connors and thinking back, because obviously I watched them all when they came out and I think around the time the the and I don't, I don't have the data on like when they were filming Jim Conn ten um, and doing the um, I guess it was ten or it was Climb Conn two that they did the Amazon or Netflix special it was like a whole show um, when they were I didn't count any of those views either like but this is just YouTube views. Um, I think I went back and rewatched all of them up to that point before 10, but mm-hmm. I haven't sat and watched all of these since then. And that was like three, four years ago. So 
in in thinking about doing this episode and talking about it and going back and watching some of these a few years ago I didn't I don't know I can't tell you a date of when I started doing it like with mm-hmm. regularity but I would get in the car whether it was you know my Audi or a truck or the Land Cruiser or whatever but I got into this habit of like what I feel like is, and this is probably a little panel or 10 of OCD, but what I feel like is getting into my car proficiently. And so I open my door with a certain amount of force that it will just begin to bounce off the end of its hinge travel as I clear the seat. And then with my left foot, I give it just enough of an assist to swing the door back towards me and pull it closed. And all it does is save me a millisecond of having to reach out and grab the door. It doesn't do anything. It's not anything special. It's not even that cool, but I just started doing it. And I couldn't tell you where I started doing it or why I started doing it, but I was mm-hmm. watching these Jim Connors, and there in Jim Connor 9, it's Ken Block getting in his rally car, and he does the exact same move six years ago. And I guarantee you that's about the time I started doing that with regularity. Did I know he did it in the video till yesterday when I watched it? No. Um, and it dawned on me, like, dude, that's where I picked that up. Like, <laughs> so, so the idea that you could even begin to think about the impact somebody has on car culture. I mean, that's just a stupid little thing I do with my foot. And I subconsciously, evidently, picked it up from a Ken Block video. Like, that. there's no way to measure the impact of somebody that's had 640 million views. And I know, you know, 130 million of that are people watching it repeatedly. That's whatever it is. But still, that's that's a lot of people that you've influenced. And to see all these other channels, you know, and these other content creators, Daily Driven Exotics and the other guys that are at Hoonigan and, um, you know, Grind Hard Plumbing and just all these shows, Mighty Car Mods that have just, their passion for cars go hand in hand with what Ken's passion was. And, you know, I guess my hope is, this is pretty tragic that he died in a snowmobile accident, but realistically, he loved snow sports. And he was on something with an engine that was mechanical and going fast. And we can all be so lucky as to, you know, die happily doing something we love. Um, and I'm not saying that, that it was a good thing. I'm just saying we could, there are much worse things that can happen. And um, yeah. so my only hope is, you know, the automotive world gets to see, like his daughter, his, his youngest daughter, Leah, she's like 15 or 16 now. She's getting yeah. into automotive sports. And hopefully yep. she continues to pursue that. And, you know, she That's gets the- to live out what her dad would have wanted for her. Because I literally, I think one of his 
last Facebook post was bragging about a video of his daughter's car that was about to launch the day after he died. Yeah, I don't the, think they the, launched the it. Audi, right? Yeah. Yeah, they've been building yeah. up an Audi for her for her first car. Yeah. It is um yeah, man, all the things you said just now, like like, like I started off, it's like I didn't know all that stuff. And I it's not that I wasn't a fan of his. I just wasn't as big of a fan as of his as you are. So I wanted to give you the the room and the breath to kind of speak on it. And yeah. you know. But uh uh the dude was awesome. Uh, he is. He has left the legacy. He is leaving uh, some uh, somebody to carry. He left a team that's probably going to try to carry on his legacy. He, he his daughter looked like she has that passion, and uh, he he was a car guy. He was a BS yeah. car guy, you know. Because so, all 100%. that stuff that worked, you can bet money there was some BS stuff that didn't work in there somewhere. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Well, and and. Uh, and being a fan of of Hoonigan and following them for as long as I have, like seeing how they were birthed and, you know, the first few employees that came on there and 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 hearing them talk, like you get this impression that that Ken was this guy who was very happy to be in the car and driving. But he was never the biggest fan of being in front of the camera talking yeah. about the driver. Yeah. And he, he wasn't Tanner Faust. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't Tanner Faust. And, you know, he he would do it and 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 was good at it, but he really just cared about having fun in a car at all times. And if that meant it was sideways or backwards or whatever, you yeah. know. It was just all about being precise and having a good time. Yeah, and for those who uh, for those who don't know who Tanner Faust is, not a plug Tanner Faust or anything like that. But Tanner Faust is a driver as well. He does all types of crazy stuff. I think he rallied, did did a whole rally cross, all the, a lot of the stuff, stunt car driver rally, uh, all these things. But he also was a TV host. Yes. And he is very comfortable in front of a camera <laughs> yes. in a way that most people who are, are just not. So that's not a dig on Tanner Files because I really, matter of fact, one of, one of the show that he hosted was one of my favorite shows. And I just wish it would have worked better. But uh, you don't even know, the, do you know the show, the name of the show? Not Gear America? Uh, no, not that one. It was, uh, uh, the his first show was Supercars Explained. Oh, oh! I do remember that. Yes. Yeah, and he he would go around and he's like, "This is why this is a special car. This is why this is a supercar." You know what I mean? Yes. Or ask the question of, "Is this a supercar?" And I remember what I remember two, three episodes in particular. Uh, one where he was driving an Audi R8, and he was just kind of hitting on the facts like, "This can't be a supercar because it got cup holders and it was comfortable." <laughs> It is comfortable, yeah. It's a good car. Or uh, the one where he put a tux on and he went on and like he kind of played it up like he was going on a date. And he took his date in an evening dress to the drag strip in a uh, Mercedes uh, SL S63 AMG and was roasting people 
in a tough zone. With right? And people's like, there's no way that car is that fast. He's like, no, this car is this fast. Yes. And I think I think one of my favorite co- my uh, and this other episode, I think it was uh was it the uh I think it was the Lotus Elise when it came. And it's like people were arguing that it's not a supercar because it didn't cost as much money, it didn't have this high horsepower. It's like all you gotta do is drive it one time and just and you'll get to change your mind. <laughs> yeah, it'll change your mind. But yeah, man. I, uh, if if there's, I, I was just thinking about it. I was thinking if if I had to name the the like if if you were gonna let's say you're a new teenage uh, early twenties person who's getting into cars and want to know more about car internet culture and and that kind of thing. I would say there's four people in the automotive racing social media like growing the sport that I'm not saying these are like the only four. There's tons of names on this list. Um, but if I had to put together like my four founding fathers list of mm-hmm. modern internet driven social media present um automotive content mm-hmm. my four people would be um tanner faust ken block travis pastrana and Ray's Miller. those would be my four people that those four people have done more stunt driving and like sh- show for show for entertainment purposes only like they're all racers in their own right and they all do extensive racing but they they're entertainers they're also entertainers and 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 that's really what makes people aware of the sport and that it is something that can be done beyond just competitive sponsored racing series driving you know I would put those four guys as being like kind of like my founding fathers of of entertainment based car culture stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe there's somebody else that goes on the list I'm not thinking of, but right now those are the four. Off the top, I would I would say all of those. I, I would say those. And um it and and Ken Block definitely had the thing that if we knew one was, if you knew one was coming out, if you were of the culture and you knew one was coming out, you were there when it came out because you knew the next conversation you were going to have when you got to your buddies was, did you see what he did? Yes. <laughs> yes. It was like, uh, what what do the kids call it? It was trending. It, it was it was a trending thing, you know, for us. But yeah, man, it, it sucks that, uh, well, it sucks that we don't get to see him make another video, but he is in a better place. Uh, and uh, he probably out there doing burn up, burnouts up there in heaven because I know they got some crazy stuff up there. <laughs> That's right. And and if I have and if I have one regret, is that when I was at SEMA in 2018, Ken was standing in the Toyo tire booth, and I was standing, I don't know, six feet away from him. And I waited for probably a good five, eight minutes for him to like 
not be in a conversation with somebody important or more important than me so that I could just shake his hand and say, huge fan. And I didn't do it. And I thought, eh, I fly back and forth to California regularly enough for work. I'll be at Hoonigan and maybe he'll be there. I'll, there'll be another chance in my life. I'll get to meet this guy. And, and so I yeah. just was like, I'll just let him be. And so I just kind of waved and nodded at him and walked off, you know, like that was as close as I got to meeting him. Um, larger than life dude seemed like a genuine nice guy you know i've never heard anybody on the internet ever share a story where they're like that dude was a jerk you know what i mean yeah so the the world will be less cool without him but car culture will live on yes it will it all it, it has lived on since we start doing this thing that's right I, so there's no really good way to to segue to that segue from that. So we're just gonna make a horrible one. All we'll right, just make a woman is like a drastic left turn. Yep. So let's end this by talking about this thing that happened today. <laughs> yeah, like like two hours before we went live on the podcast, like or live before we hit record yeah. on the podcast. Um, exactly. So January I'm, I'm asking a question. 5th, January 5th, 2023. That's our record date currently. Um, so if you're listening to this, you know, in 2027, um, just let you know, this is where we were on the 5th of January of 23, talking about this thing that just happened two hours ago. Yep. All right. So uh, I'm going to ask you a question before before we uh, get into this a little bit. Did you know it was happening today? No. All right, I figured you didn't because you know we we know how much you love EVs. All right. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. So what we're talking about is the uh, introduction, the world debut of the Ram Revolution. It is an EV truck by the the good old folks at Ram. Let me just stop uh, you there. I'm gonna throw my ahead. first flag on the play. Go ahead. It's a concept. I, I was about to. Say, I was going to say concept. It's not a production yet. It is a EV concept pickup truck from the good folks at Ram. Uh, does some things uh, for you. It does some does some different things. Yeah. Does some um, probably not so. Um, it's ambitious. Yeah, it's ambitious. That's a great word. <laughs> You and the words today. Look at that. I'm telling you. Look at you with the talking. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is this is uh, Ram's, uh, you know, idea of what their draft of what your your their truck is going to be or look like. Um, what are your initial thoughts of how it looks? Well. It- it's tough because it's a concept and I have to look at it with the lens of uh-huh. concept. However, I think we're starting to see a trend and I don't know if it's an EV based trend or if it's just materials manufacturing in the automotive segment that is allowing for concept vehicles that are going to become production somehow here lately are coming out of concept form into real form much closer than they ever have in the past. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, that, that's my opinion. I, I think historically, if you look at like future concept projection builds from 30 years ago, they yeah. were so far off from what the real vehicle come out looking like. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Whereas now I feel like, and maybe it's constraints of like how quickly vehicles tend to be going from concept to production um, uh-huh. and how much the like market is driving a need to have a new EV every 35 minutes. But these things seem to be coming out a lot, looking a lot closer to the concept than they have in the past. So yeah. all that being said, uh-huh. When I look at it through the lens of concept vehicle, I'm not mad at it. It's kind of cool. I am surprised. <laughs> I, it 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 does have a little bit of that Chevy Silverado, really rounded car like vibe, which I'm on the fence about. Uh huh. But. It also has just enough like crazy proportions in certain spots that it, it it's it's doing a really good job of conveying a persona of like rugged and toughness, but also yeah. being like sleek and futuristic. Yeah. Whereas I, I think the Ford comes across as, hey man, there's F one fifty. We threw some batteries under it. <laughs> and, and the Chevy and the Chevy is coming across as hey man we built a Camaro with a truck bed like it, it's, it's somewhere it's splitting the difference of being like truckish but sleek futuristic you know what I mean yeah. it's not pushing too hard in one direction or the other so am I saying it's a home run no but do I like it yeah it's not bad I look at it because I've been staring at it the whole time you were talking, and it looks like a muscle car truck. Yep. Thing. Yeah, you know, because yep. it got the, the fender flares and it, the, the, it sculpted a little bit, and it kind of got a Dodge feel to it because you know Dodge builds muscle cars, <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah. Uh, I, to go back to what you're saying about how how quick these things go from concept to uh, production, I mean part of that is because you know the mod, modern manufacturing and techniques that we just they just didn't have in the past, and um, and now I think sometimes that I think some of these manufacturers, like one in particular Tesla, that uh, know that they have to do something different because fundamentally especially now all these things are very similar underneath you know what i mean yes yes so they're all I mean, skateboards they, with wheels yeah 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 and um i'm not i'm not mad at it e- either i think the the thing that i don't like the most and i think that they thought was cool was the floating uh roof thing uh it's nah, i could have did without that and I don't know really? how I feel about those doors yet. <laughs> I don't think those doors will go to production. I don't either. I don't. I don't either. Uh, I think it's cool that they got the doors on the concept, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to work. 
I, I think what you, feedback in the consumer market is that like enthusiasts love suicide doors. They look yeah. the business. But yeah. from a practicality, functionality, my eight-year-old slams the door every time we get out of the truck. Like, mm-hmm. not a lot of people line up to buy suicide doors. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't I think mean, I don't think they'll make it to production. I I don't either because you know one of the coolest cars created in the last ten years was the Continental with the suicide doors and nobody bought it. Nobody bought it. <laughs> Literally um, nobody bought it. Yeah. Um, what's something that stands out on this one on this concept that uh, that that kind of caught you by surprise? I'm I'm telling you, there are two that got me right off the bat. Just two. There there are two things that stand out as they did that. <laughs> right well, off the I, bat. I think two things that stand out to me right off the bat is the like weird third row jump seat thing. Yep. Yep. And I don't this, know how to feel about it. <laughs> I think it's amazing. Like I I love I love practical uses of space. So the two yes. things that stand out to me most about this are exactly that. The pass-through, I mean, I don't know how much, like those Chevy things that they sold for a while, whatever those, it was like a version of the Trailblazer, whatever it was, that had the the back that opened like a truck bed, but it was also an SUV, not the Avalanche. Your sound went away. I've completely lost your audio. I'm not sure if it's me or you, but... Anyway, whatever that Chevy thing was and the um, the back opening to let you put stuff in there. But this actually has a pass through all the way to the front. So if you had two by fours, you could go from the extended bed because the bed on this thing does some crazy mess. You could go from the extended bed length all the way to the inside of the front on the passenger side. And that's nuts. I still can't hear you, though. I've completely lost your audio. But I don't know if it's me or if it's you or if you're still recording and I'm not recording. But I'm not seeing the little purple light flash around my screen when you talk like I did earlier. Um, so I, just, I got you now. So... Uh- that's my earbuds, so I don't know if I sound weird right now. It's a little different, but not weird. I mean, no weird, more weird than you already sound. Oh, good point. But yeah, uh, the that pass through all from the from the rear to the front, that was kind of that. I I like the idea. I don't know how many times it'll get used, but no, that's <laughs> right. It's not going to get used a lot for sure. Uh, but that third row of seats, well, I I I, I first. I was like, man, that's cool that you're going to use this space for something, but that's a little bit of something, you know? <laughs> but at the same time, now that I think about it, it's like jump seat, jump seats in the original Dagger to sit in the trucks, they weren't much bigger than that. They could have been bigger than that. <laughs> no, those little sideways facing flip-down yeah. seats, are you kidding me? Those things yeah, are so could've... microscopically small. But, you know, what I think is cool here, what they did was they put this track system in the floor, and so the rear seats slide forward yep 
So if you're not using those little jump seats, you just slide on back and you got a ton of legroom. Like yep, a yep. ridiculous amount of legroom. I, I do like that. I like the fact that they used uh, that they, uh, which I don't think they do this as much, well, to this extent with the with the Rams that's on the market now. Because they have the split tailgate in the Rams that's on the market now. Yes. But have you seen the picture where they take the split tailgate yes. and they essentially use it to extend the 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 bed to make it up? I'm I looking guess, at it right uh, now. Uh, yeah, that that was pretty cool. That's that's very practical. I I don't that um what they call it the ram boxes that looks a little too fancy to work in real world. <laughs> yeah, I wondered about that too. I was like, man, I don't know. I mean, it'd be good for like toe straps and recovery ropes and. You know, things like that. I could definitely see that kind of stuff going in there, but I'm with you. It looks pretty fancy. Yeah, that looked like it's going to break. That's what. But now, this, <laughs> the picture they got with this thing with like a big kayak in there, in the bed, going up into yeah. the cab, sitting on the back of the seat. Like, I, if I had that truck and it had the ability to do that, 100% would use that function. 100%. Because yeah. I haul kayaks in my truck and canoes and Dude, to be able to just throw the thing up in the bed up on top of the seat and haul it somewhere, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like you got enough room where, you know, you could probably still use those seats somehow. So, like, with your daughter, that doesn't require that much room. You know, you can still fit her and everybody yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't like the giant dual screen thing in the middle and the lack of real buttons. But. I don't either. Uh, I was watching a video earlier about that because they don't really kind of get into it so much in these pictures is those screens move. Yes. So the bottom screen kind of folds up to go up and inside into the dash. So it kind of looks like the layout of the current Dago infotainment system a little bit. And the top screen can be tilted forward and aft. I mean, there's one pic in the there's one picture where the passenger armrest. Oh yeah, I see that one rotates, picture. I see it. It rotates because the armrest is like two pieces. The passenger side folds forward, rotates, opens to to like become a keyboard. Yep. And the screen moves over from the center console. To I don't know. That's I don't know cool. how that's working either. It looks like it's one of those light projection keypads. So it's not an actual physical keyboard. It's the projected keypad and it's all haptic feedback and you just touch the light and it responds. If if that's true, it's cool. But I wonder, and I, and this is not just coming from a place of like an old curmudgeon who doesn't like new stuff, but I honestly do wonder with the delays and the problems we have seen with manufacturing computerized components. Uh-huh. These kinds of concepts to me seem further from reality than they've ever been. I agree with you. And this is the caveat that I'm gonna go with for that. Uh, that my explainer for that. that I'm gonna go with it. This is this show that this 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 truck debuted at CES, so it had to have some kind of crisis. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, 
they they couldn't just bring this out with like one little half screen or something like that. Right. But <laughs> because that's just not what CES does. Speaking of things that happened at CES, yeah, that screen kind of looks like it detached from the other one. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it yeah. detaches and moves over to the armrest and then projects a keypad. Yep. 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 That is that's that's the thing. I don't want to see the video. Stop trying to play the video in my ear thing. Um, um, so my last thing about these this this trucklet thingy is trucklet. of the <laughs> of the five that we know about, and I'll name them: the Rivian, this, the Rivian R1T, the F150 Lightning, the um, Silverado EV, the Hummer EV, the Sierra EV. The Tesla truck is that seven? The Cybertruck that's seven, right? Yeah. Which one um is a one hundred percent no go? Which I already know the answer to. And which one of do you like uh, uh, like the best out of all of? Just maybe not gonna buy, but she's like, I don't hate it. I ain't mad at you. Well. It's tough because your list includes vehicles that aren't out yet and vehicles that when they do come out may look drastically different. I'm looking at you, Elon, than uh, what has been shown to be. It ain't happening. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's happening. I'm going I'm to keep saying it's not happening until I actually see one driving. It's not real. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I agree. I'm the same way because it's, to me, it's the, the, the new DeLorean, like mm -hmm. it's such a departure from what's normal that until I see one, I don't believe in it. Um, yeah. So I'm probably going to put the 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 Cybertruck as the the one that is the most no go. Yeah, I'm one one hundred percent with you there. Even if it comes out and it has five hundred miles of range, and it does everything good if it looks like that it'll never work for me <laughs> right i agree if i ignore all of my fears and trepidations about the sustainability of the company uh-huh then the rivian is still the only one i would be willing to buy uh I kind of figured the Rivian would be more would be your jam. It, Cause in all reality, of all of those trucks, that's the one that's the most different from all of them. Cause it's the only one with four, is that has four motors and does does that thing right. But it, it is also, and this is going to sound strange. When when I say the Rivian is the only one I would consider, I would not consider it or any of them as a replacement for my diesel current pickup truck. Oh no. No, not at all. Not not at all. This is your and this is so, your hey, drive around town truck. Yeah. <laughs> and so for that reason, I would only say the Rivian is a consideration because I like the way it looks. It still looks like a truck, but it also looks like something that's not a truck. Like yep. it's just enough futury looking, but it's also yep. smaller. So it's easier to maneuver, easier to park. This this Ram that we're looking at looks flipping huge. Yeah, yes, it does. 
Yes, it does. And maybe it's just the way it's styled. Until I see some dude get in and out of it, it looks bigger than the Hummer. And I've seen the Hummer in person, and it's huge. Well, I saw uh, one of the reviewers do it, uh, go through it and stuff. And he's a, a a smaller person. He's like five six or five seven, and it looked like it engulfed him. And, uh, but uh, I don't think it's in reality. I don't think it's going to be much bigger than a than a fifteen hundred truck. I, that when it comes to production, I don't think it is because I don't think they want that smoke mess around with the mess. The Hummer is so big, in my opinion. The Hummer is so big and stuff that it causes problems and takes it out of the market for to sell to most people. You yeah. can idolize it. Well, you can like it. Yes. You can think it's cool, but you can't drive that on a daily. Most people can't drive that on a daily basis because they want to, all they want to do is go to Walmart, not Walmart. They want to go to Target because you can't, if you show up to Walmart and a Hummer EV, you are doing a whole bunch of stuff wrong. <laughs> but, <laughs> a whole but, you know, bunch of stuff. I mean, yeah. Yes, I agree. the The Hummer is, it is, uh, even though it's a Hummer and it has the name Hummer and it is all things that Hummer represents from a marketing standpoint. That vehicle was designed, built, and priced for a certain income level of person. That I am not one of. Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. And so for that reason, it's not for everybody. Yeah. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Um, and I think I think Ram needs to sell this to more people than GM what GM wants to sell Hummers to people. Well, and GM doesn't want to sell that Hummer to those people. They want to sell Silverados to those people. Exactly. That's and that's another reason I was talking to a guy today who is actually considering buying a uh, EV truck as his next vehicle. Uh and it, it, his next vehicle purchase ain't going to be for a couple of years. So he, he's already starting to do uh, research now. And I was telling him, I was like, the reason why the Hummer costs that much is because they go, they want to sell a Silverado and a Sierra for $100,000 too. Yes, that's exactly right. Because <laughs> if, they, if they were out there by themselves, it's like, man, I'm spending no $100,000 for that thing. But as long as there's something over top of it, that just does everything to the next level, turn the dial up to 11, it's like, oh, well, at least I didn't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess the one that I like the most, and I'm, I'm going to do my weird standing thing here, is um, I can't say I like the way it looks the best, but I'm not mad at the way it looks as, that much. I think it'll grow on me. But yeah. I like the way the interior is formatted the most. So this is the one I would go with. And that would be the Sierra. Because it still has hard, yeah, it still has hard buttons. It doesn't, I don't, I'm not a fan of that big screen, but it doesn't look so out of place like the stuff in this Ram does. Or or like uh, in the Rivian, I don't want to ever deal with the fact that I got to go into screen the dago, the direct the air vents and the the sierra yes. doesn't make you do that and so that's that would be my pick this, this, i like the interior the, best. the ram has screens for the air vents exactly no i don't weird. I, I i don't i don't want to ever deal with that 
I think I like the way. I think I like the way the. Mm. I'm yeah, I think the, I'm uh, just gonna stick. I'm look. I'm gonna stick with my Sierra pick. That's what I'm going with. I think the Sierra is gonna, is my favorite of of them right now. And Rivian is next. Is so after that. I'm I'm looking at the TFL uh, truck, the fast lane truck video YouTube video where they're doing a walk around on the truck right now, just to see uh-huh. size wise, and it's not as big as I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, I mean it's still full size truck size. Yeah, yeah, but it's definitely not as big as the the proportions make it look in those images on the Dodge website or the Ram yeah. website. Um, here's and I can thing, see right? why they wanted to look big on the on the website because you know, oh well, people like trucks. Trucks are big, so that's why they like them because they're big. So let's make it look big. No, no, bro. You still got to be able to put this thing in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. You got to be able to fit in parking spaces too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Here's a question I've got. You know, I complain a lot about technology on vehicles, and and I think it doesn't do anything but hurt. If you look at customer satisfaction long term with vehicles now compared to 20 years ago, uh-huh. I think that the technology component of new cars is more problem-inducing and frustrating for owners long-term than it was 20 years ago. And technology wasn't great 20 years ago, but there wasn't as much of it trying to be crammed in cars. But that's that's not my point. My question is this. When Mm -hmm. is the automotive world going to figure out that cars, SUVs, and especially trucks handle better, ride smoother, perform better with more tire and less ring. When are people going to figure this out? I mean, I was once 20 years old and thought some big wheels look cool on a car. But then I grew up and realized owning a car is more about, is, is there's more to owning a car than how it looks you also want to be able to ride in it without being like oh my gosh i hate these wheels like when are these people going to figure it out well the wheels on this truck are absurdly stupid uh, well are we talking about the concept now yes. or are we talking about the, i'm still uh, talking about the ram they're clear uh, the ramp it's I the will one give thing the, i can't stand is the the uh in the concept or show car form, they always had the gigantic wheels on it because aesthetically that's pleasing. Okay, and people, people, we have to, we have helped to me. We have helped convince people that big wheels look good. You were part of that crew. You may not be in that in the, in the group no more, but you were there. <laughs> we did it. We did it. I blame did me. Yeah, I blame me too. But um, uh, I think they do realize it. I think people, but at the same time, people buy, uh, it, it make these, even these $100,000 purchases from emotion standpoints a lot. And it's like, oh, this is the cool looking one. And then they go by and they realize that I don't like how this rides. And at that point, you already have your money. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we don't get your money, fool. Yeah, you can go talk to Tyrock about that. You know? right. <laughs> um, 
I remember when Ram first came out with the twenty uh with the twenties on the Ram, and that was the big thing. And the people was like, "Man, that's way too much rim." And then the next day, somebody put twenty fours on it, and it's like, "Oh, the twenties don't look that big no more." <laughs> but uh, um, I think it was a uh, who was it? It was somebody here recently I was looking at. Uh, uh, they were reviewing a vehicle and I had twenty twos on it. And they were trying to figure out, it's like, it's like, I don't know how they did this, but this car has gigantic wheels on it and small tires on it. And they tuned this that I can't tell. And and I think it was on Carwile. It may have been Carwile. It was, uh, yeah, I think it was on Carwile when I was talking about a new BMW. But I think they realize it, but they also realize that people buy people buy these vehicles with their eyes, and most people don't think about that until they have already signed the paperwork and driven off the lot. Yeah, well, that's a good point. But so, I just I also know from watching a lot of YouTube like off road recovery videos that every single truck and SUV that gets stuck in the mud, dirt, sand, or snow is driving on teeny tiny little rubber band tires on big giant wheels aired up to like 80 PSI and they they all get stuck. Like you have no no ability to perform in a manner other than highway usage. Well, I'm going to say it like I was talking to uh, a slightly different kind of geek uh, when we were having a conversation at work. We, the geeks, know that that isn't good for that application. The common folk, they just think that this is a truck and I should be able to do that. Yes, but then how much trouble does that get them in when it doesn't do that? Uh, that is not the concern of General Motors. <laughs> yes, or, that's right. That's, that is that is not their. It's like uh, uh, we're talking, and I'll say this now. This be last thing I say. We're talking about uh, movies and TV shows because one of the things that uh, one of the things that uh, that happened last week. Is Disney Disney Plus released its top tens of TV shows and stuff for last year? There, I'm gonna tell you this, and I'm a. This isn't an official trivia question, but you're not gonna get this. There was one Marvel movie on Disney's top ten list for last year. Name it. Movies or TV shows? I'll get to the TV shows. We're talking about movies right now. There was one Marvel movies on Disney Plus in the Disney Plus top 10 list. What was it? For just for 2022. For 2022. One Marvel movie. Huh. I mean, and this is streaming or box office? Streaming. Because this is a Disney Plus metric. Ooh. Um, Are you cheating? Are you looking? Are you looking? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm trying to think because like when we had my trivia question earlier, I'm 
missed a bunch of stuff. So trying to give myself a more of a fair shot to actually get this. Um, I don't know, because the new Black Panther is not streaming yet, right? Nope. So, and seeing, I'm trying to think if when Spider-Man Multiverse came out, was that 21 or 22? It was streaming all last year. I'm going to say that because I don't know. It was not that. It was the Eternals. No, that's not even possible. Yep. That's it was made number up, 10. That's fake news. That's fake news. <laughs> That's fake news because that movie is so atrociously bad. It is easily the worst Marvel movie ever made. And I'm including made for TV 1984 Captain America. It is the worst. It's it's un, unbelievably bad. The plot, terrible. Characters, one dimensional. Like just the worst movie it's not even a movie. It's it's not it's not even good enough to be called a movie. It's like a skit. I don't know that the fact that that's on the top ten list is marketing. They just want more people to be like, well, shoot, if it's in the top ten, maybe I should have watched it because I never wanted to. It was number ten. Fake news. And it was the only Marvel movie on the list. Fake news. <laughs> uh there was I'm trying to pull up the thing now, but there was there were ten um there was uh three t- three of the TV shows um of the TV shows that were one two I'm trying to remember one two, two one two there were two there were two uh, Marvel TV shows and two Star Wars TV shows. And it's not the ones you think they are again. But my point in all this is we, the geek, want to see certain things, but we forget about that there are people who are not us and they outnumber us and they watch TV too and they buy cars too. And they could have the ability to buy more, more car, buy more cars and watch more TV than we did. In a shorter way, twenty-four inch wheels ain't for us. <laughs> I guess you're right. I don't want you to be right, but I guess you're right. It's it's just not for us. Uh, yeah. But anyway, on that note, uh, want to do this again in a couple weeks? Yes, let's. Let's do this again in a couple of weeks. Um, so, hey, if you made it this far, we would uh, like to thank you for joining us again in 2023. This is the beginning of our fourth season of many, hopefully. And uh, we will keep boring you uh, the same way, I guess. Entertaining, uh, I believe is the word you're looking for. And okay. Yeah, if, okay. If you've made it this far into the podcast, um, our secret word for the episode is I don't even know. I was supposed to come up with something clever. I should have never said the sentence. Um, how about our secret <laughs> our secret code word if you made it this far in the podcast is Porsche. This week's Porsche. 
code word is Porsche. Porsche. You know, Porsche is, you know, Porsche is the fourth most valuable car company on the planet right now. Yeah, I can believe that. Above Volkswagen. I can believe that. The name, of which, the name is worth a lot. Of which they have separated themselves from. In a weird way. Anyway, nice, y'all. Good night. Love you, Bill. Love you.